I feel today as I have prayed through my boy, Peter, that he's not the only one that is housing this tension. I feel in my gut and my spirit that some of you are also housing a tension of, I regret that I did that, but I don't know how to move forward because they have passed on, or maybe they have um, cut me out of their lives, or I can't, I can't talk to them, or, or maybe I am Peter and I have turned myself on the Lord and there's a tension inside of me. I know what I need to do, but I just don't know how to get there. What Peter watched was not just Jesus being pierced through for his transgressions. He watched Jesus be pierced through for yours. It's time now for the Autumn Mile Show. It's your girl, Autumn Miles, coming at you with a very, 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 very special Easter message this week. We are going to do, I'm going to do part two of the 30 Pieces series that we started last week. It's a short one, but oh man, it is, it's a powerful one. And I'm telling you, I just feel like we just had a little bit of church right before we went on the air <laughs> because that's what we do. Um, I can't do this without the prayer of the people that God has surrounded me with. And I'm just, I'm just so thankful that I get to do what God has called me to do. And Mike, our producer as well, you guys, there is a whole team of people that make this thing go. And I'm so thankful for them. Uh, welcome to Easter week. Welcome to the best week in history. I can't believe that we are here already. Where did January and February go? Like wh where did, where's the time going? Okay. It's like running away. Um, this is my favorite week of all time. And I love just the whole the newness of Easter and the hope that Easter brings. And so I can't wait to just totally jump into that. I want to do a couple of announcements. Number one, send us your stories. You know, at the end of what we do every single day, every single week, I share a story from one of you. And Amanda, who collects those through our email, is like, oh my goodness, we're getting so many stories. And like, we were just reading several this morning. I was in tears because I'm like, God, look at what you're doing amongst y'all, us, all of us. Look at how, how you are moving. And I'm so grateful for that. Send them to us. I want to know what is God doing in your life? Send it to hello at autumnmiles.com. We get them. We read them. She just told me this morning, she's like, Autumn, there are so many stories every single week that I get just continually. And we want to hear them. We, I want to share them on the air. We, have, we had two that I had to choose from this morning because both of them were good. I just want you guys to get an opportunity to share a miracle, something that God has done in your life. So email hello at Autumn Miles to do that. Also, uh, we're going on the road, y'all. We are going on the road. I, um, I'm so excited to do this. I love to travel. I love to meet you. This is the best job in the whole world. If you are interested in hosting a podcast tour type thing, you want the podcast to come, you want me to come and 
a couple of members of our team to come and you're a minister at a church or something like that, email hello at autumnmiles.com as well. If you're interested, we can get the ball rolling on that. What is God doing in my life or what is happening in my life? Before I get into that, I just want to say, you know, we just came off of, we record a week in advance and we just heard the news yesterday of the shooting in Nashville. And I just want to say, I am praying for you. I'm praying for our children. It moves me deeply every single time when something like that happens. And I just, I, I just feel like the the world needs us. These you thousands of people that listen to this podcast to pray over the world, over our children, over our young generation. We need more people. The Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We need more people to jump in this game of ministry and to jump in and say, you know what? I am going to follow this call of God on my life. I'm going to pray over my community. I'm going to pray over my neighbors. I'm going to pray over the schools. We need that. We need you. We need you in the body of Christ. And I just feel such a strong call to pray over our children, over the schools, over our world. And you know what? Let's just do that right now. Lord, we, we know that you see everything. And God, we are praying. I'm praying right now over every school district that is represented. God, I pray for protection. I pray for security. God, I pray for an awareness. God, we thank you that you are God almighty who protects our children. Your word, your, your son said, let the kids come to me. Let the kids come to me. You have a special place for your kids in your heart, Lord. And God, I just, I'm, as I prayed over my own children this morning and squeezed them and looked into their faces and prayed very specifically over them this morning and have been praying all day, God, I pray, Lord, that you would protect our children I pray for just a mantle of security over our schools, God. I pray for people's hearts, even while I'm praying to be stirred, to pray for those on their street, for those in their church, for those, uh, for the school that's right down the street, God. I pray for our teachers right now. I pray that you would give them a strength and a boldness, Father God. Lord, wrap them in safety, Lord, the shield that you are. Um, God, we, we love you. We trust you. We pray for the families of those that have lost children, Father, children and loved ones. And Lord, I just, I have no words as a mom when I think of the devastation, God. All I know, all I know is that we need you. That's all I know. They need a touch. They need comfort from you and you alone. So God, be present with them. Be present. Be present in their suffering, Father. We trust you. We love you. And um, we ask for your hand in our school system and our districts. In Jesus' name, amen. I know that was going to be, I, I wanted to say something about that because every time something like this happens, it just grieves me. And um, as a mom, it's, it's um, oh my goodness it's devastating. It's devastating. So I want to tell you what's going on in my life. And we're going to kind of shift over a little bit. You know, there is nothing better than your family. I think, you know, we last week, 
our family just all of us in different ways just kind of went through a weird week where it was like what is happening every single one of us in our family for a different reason we're just kind of scratching our heads on friday and going what is going on i picked we went to my son's baseball game on friday afternoon and he he was struggling with, you know, something that had happened. And, you know, we're just kind of all like my daughter showed up at the game. All of us are there and we're all like just kind of sitting there staring at this field. Jude's playing. Well, actually, he was not playing, which was part of the problem. We're, we're all kind of staring at the field glazed over with what just happened. <laughs> And I sat, I sat there just praying through, oh, Lord, we just need you this week. We just need your, your hugs and your love. And we just need um, your, we just need you. And my daughter said, uh, Grace said, Mom, I want tacos. And I'm like, you know what? Let's go get tacos. So we went and got tacos. And right next to Torchy's Tacos in Dallas is Costco. And I thought, you know what? There is nothing better to make you feel better than a trip to Costco. I mean, it's it's Costco was like, I don't know. It's just a place to roam and a place to whatever. And you buy a bunch of stuff you don't really need because nobody needs 25 pounds of sugar. They just don't need that unless you're a restaurant. But I'm walking through the halls of Costco and I'm like, you know what? We could use some grapes and we could use this and we could use whatever. And um, Haven had crawled into those ginormous carts because she weighs nothing. And Jude is pushing her. And I'm walking through and we're getting like whatever we need. We're laughing at some of the food because some of the food is weird at Costco. Like (laughs) you need some of the stuff that they sell. I don't know. We're laughing at the food. Eddie and I are having like conversations or whatever. And my son has developed, he had a really rough day. My son has developed a game with my daughter. I can't see them. Okay. They're like way far away from where we are, but I hear them. I hear Haven cackling so loud. I mean, it's like, you know, she was having the the best time of her life. And then I hear Jude, you know, post puberty laugh was like, and I hear this high pitched little seven year olds laugh and this low pitched 14 year olds laugh. And they are laughing so loud that I'm like, what in the world is going on? And so Eddie and I meet, you know, meet up with them because I'm like, what is what is happening? Because this could either be really funny or really bad. And we're approaching them and we just start to watch. We just watch them. And they're just like, Haven is like, ah, she's got this really big belly laugh, you know. And Jude is like, ha, 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 ha. And they've developed this game where they're like, they, I'm teaching Jude how to drive, like left, right, left. You have to look left, right, left for your turn. And he's teaching that to Haven. And she just thinks it's the funniest thing. And Eddie and I just had this moment in Costco where we started laughing so loudly because everything that had happened with my older daughter, with my younger kids, with Jude, with everything that had happened didn't matter. Because right in front of us, God was saying, I have your whole family in my hands. This is what matters. Autumn, tune into this. Eddie was tuning into that. Grace uh, Grace and Moses were tuning into that. 
And I got a chance to, uh, you know, we went and then we went and got Costco food, which is like you could buy like five meals of food and it costs you four dollars and 24 cents. I'm like, what is going on? So we got like everyone ice cream. It's like, what do you want? Ice cream is 70 cents. What do you want? Do you want two of them? Do you want three of them? Because you can feed your whole family for no money there. And the Lord just really started uh, speaking to my heart about focus on the blessings right in front of you, Autumn. It was such a beautiful moment. We got in the car and we were driving home and Eddie grabbed my hand and he looked at me and we just couldn't help but laugh because of the crazy weeks that we had had with everyone in our family. And then um, looking at Haven and Jude make the best of it. And it was just awesome. So my advice to you right now is focus on those moments. Seize them in your minds. Seize that cackling laugh in your minds. Seize when your kids are... are full of pure joy, seize it. Because those are the moments that the Lord brings heaven to earth right there. So, okay, that's what's going on in my life. Listen, we are about to go into just an amazing message from God's word that is going to encourage you. Come back 30 pieces part two. God has kicked my butt with this message, and I hope it's going to encourage you as well. Come back right after the break. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Looking for a passionate speaker to bring the Word of God for your next conference or church function? We've got the girl for you. Autumn Miles is the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministries with the goal of spiritually challenging the way people think. Autumn is dedicated to teaching the Bible in an engaging and relatable way so that everyone can experience the Lord in a deeper way. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she's passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. So what are you waiting for? You can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement today. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, we are back right after the break. Thank you guys for joining me. Last week, we talked about something that... I actually loved. I'm like feeling it. Uh, Those of us who have been betrayed, you know that feeling. You know that feeling when someone comes in and when they they betray you and you're kind of left blindsided and you're like, what in the world? What do I do with this emotion? What do I do with this feeling? What do I do with this hurt? Where do I go? Who do I turn to? What do I do? How do I get past it? Some betrayals, you know, you can get past pretty fast, but other betrayals, people that family members, spouses, children, these types of betrayals are devastating. 
and they take so sometimes years to get over. And uh, last week we talked all about Judas and how close he was to Jesus and how Jesus just invited him in and said, come on in, come on in. I know you're going to betray. He knew he had obviously had the foreknowledge of that. He handpicked Judas and Judas still turned and betrayed him. And we talked all about, and if you've not heard that one from last week and you've been betrayed, go listen to it. It will encourage your heart. There's so much scripture in there. I had to cut some out because it was going to go way too long. But Jesus gave us an example. How do you live through a betrayal? How do you get over it? How do you do it? He gave us an example. And this week, I wanted to flip the script a little bit because I, first of all, I feel like God's told me to do this. And um, I've been thinking about this all week. And as a matter of fact, I just finished this message, you know, 15 minutes ago, right before we uh, went to record. I want to ask you this question. What if you're Judas? What if you're Judas? It's really easy to put ourselves in the position of, (laughs) you know, the Jesus position where Jesus was the one that was betrayed. And we've all felt that. And if you haven't, it's coming, sister or brother. But what if you're Judas in this scenario? Now, I know in a size of a crowd that we have, I know that some of you are struggling with something that you have done to somebody else. And you can't get past the guilt of what you've done. I think this message is so appropriate during this week that I want it to bring this whole, everything I'm about to unpack for you. I want it to bring you so much hope because this is what I know. People carry hurt and guilt and shame way, way, way too long. People carry regret And it's not even that you've maybe betrayed, maybe you haven't betrayed the Lord, although I'm going to show you that we all have. (laughs) Maybe it's that person that you could never talk to again. Maybe they've passed on. Maybe they've, you know, kind of cut you out of their life, but you still know that you've hurt them. What if we're Judas? What if you're Judas? What do you do and how do you move forward? And I want to show you from the scripture how to move forward if you have been the one that has wronged someone and you regret it deeply. You've betrayed someone and you regret it deeply. You've hurt someone, maybe you've hurt your wife or your husband and you regret it deeply. How do you just move forward free? That's what I wanna talk about today. And the cross is gonna be the center of what we talk about. What if you are Judas? What if you betray Jesus or someone else? How do you move forward free? I want to table Judas for a minute and I want to talk about my boy, Peter. Okay. Now, Peter and Judas betrayed Jesus. Okay. Uh, Judas just paid. Peter betrayed Jesus with his mouth. Judas betrayed Jesus with money. 
And I want to kind of put ourselves in Peter's position, and I want to walk through a couple of things that I think are really important. Let's pick it up in Mark 14. Now, Mark 14 is like, to be honest, one of the most relatable passages ever when we're talking about Peter. Let me, I'm going to read a lot of scripture today, but I'm, I'm hoping to have a bunch of application as well. Mark 14 says this, Jesus said to them, now this is right before Jesus is in Gethsemane. This is at the Last Supper. This is right before they transfer over to Gethsemane. And he's having a personal conversation with his disciples. And he's basically saying, listen, this is what's going to happen in the next 24 hours. He's, he knows exactly precisely what is going to happen. And he says this, and Jesus said to them, verse 27, Mark 14, 27, you will all fall away. Every one of you guys are going to fall away. Interesting. We're going to get to this in a minute. It wasn't just Judas. It wasn't just Peter. Every single one of them but turned their back on Jesus. And Jesus said, you're about to do this. You're all going to fall away, but it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. 28. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter, this is what he said, said to him, even though all may fall away, I will not. Everybody else could fall away. I am not going to do it, Jesus. No way. Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you that this very night, tonight, in a couple of hours, Peter, just so you know, Mr. Hotshot, self-righteous dude, just so you know, this very night before a rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter kept saying insistently, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they were saying the same thing also. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm never going to do it. Let me talk to you about good intentions. <laughs> Do we all go into relationships or we all go into marriages or we all go into, you know, places and we all typically have good intentions where we're like, I'm never going to do that or I'll never do that or I'll never, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then you get squeezed. Something happens. Something shifts. Something changes. And all of a sudden, you are looking at a situation that you didn't predict, you didn't plan for, but bam, right in front of you, even though you maybe, maybe God had told you or whatever, right in front of you, you have a situation that you did not prepare for. That is precisely what happened to these boys. Jesus said, listen, I'm going to be betrayed. You all are going to leave me. And, and they couldn't have conceived what was literally in, in motion at that moment. None of them could have conceived that all of a sudden Judas, their homeboy, was going to show up with the chief priests and everybody. And they were going to, no one could have conceived that was happening. Now, why? I don't really know because Jesus told them multiple times, I'm going to die and uh, they're going to take me, I'm going to be betrayed, and then I'm going to resurrect. He told them multiple times. As a matter of fact, he told him right here in verse 28, but after I have been raised, I'll go ahead of you to Galilee. And yet they could not conceive of what was literally coming just a few hours later. Sometimes betrayal is intentional. 
And sometimes it's premeditated like Judas, you know, I'm going to start planning, you know, what I'm going to do or whatever. But sometimes you get into a situation where something arises, you don't realize what's going on. It squeezes you and you aren't prepared for how you're going to respond to what's coming down the pike. That's what happened in this situation. I can think of so many leaders in this moment. Leaders have a heart, guys. Where it's like, and I know a lot of pastors listen. I know a lot of ministers listen. I I feel you. You don't intend to do something and then something shifts, and which is out of your control. And you make a decision that you have to make because you weren't prepared for the shift. Some people, we get married with the best of intentions and then something shifts and you're not prepared and you're not tuned into the Lord and you're not listening to the Lord. Something shifts and all of a sudden you're doing the very thing that just hours before you said, I will never do this. I would never betray you. I, even if I die, that's what Peter said. Even if I, let me, let me read it. Peter kept saying insistently, verse 31, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they were all saying the same thing. I've been planning to do this for several weeks, this whole 30 pieces thing. But the more I think about this, the more I realize how we start things off with good intentions, we get squeezed and then we're not prepared, which is so important to stay completely plugged into the Lord. Something shifts in our situation, something changes, and then all of a sudden you do something that you swore you would never do. Not only did Peter turn his back on Jesus, when um, Jesus was confronted, when he was betrayed and arrested in Gethsemane, verse 50, 14, 50 says this, and they all left him and fled. Every single one of them left him. Peter in verse 54, 14, 54 says this, Peter followed, had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. Peter at this point is in absolute shock. The last full conversation he had with Jesus. Now, Jesus did talk to him a little bit in Gethsemane, but the last full on conversation that Peter had with Jesus privately was with the rest of the disciples because Jesus did tell him, listen, I'm grieved. My soul's grieved to the point of death. And then Peter fell asleep. But the last uh, fully cognitive conversation that Peter had with Jesus, he was swearing, I'm not going to leave you. Even if I have to die, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to stay with you. And all of a sudden, shift happens. The shift happens in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's like, whoa, what just happened? He followed him for 54 at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. He was following him. And he was sitting with the officers, warming himself by the fire. Now, I want to read this because I think this is important. He is shocked. He has no idea what happened. He knows that, this, that he doesn't know what to do. He's gaining his bearings, and he makes a decision that he later regrets. Verse 65, some began to spit at him, Jesus. 1465, and to blindfold him and to beat him with their fist and say to him, prophesy. And the officers received him with slaps in the face. So this is what's happening to Jesus. 66, 
As Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. Now, I want to set the stick. So Jesus is upstairs, okay? And he is before the, the chief priest, and he's getting mocked, spit at, blindfolded. He is feeling it, okay? This is prophecy that's getting, that's literally happening. Peter is warming himself by the fire. Jesus is getting abused. Peter's chilling by the fire, okay? He's thinking, what in the world has just happened? No doubt he's remembering everything that Jesus had told him up until this point. This is happening, this is happening. 67, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you were also with Jesus the Nazarene. But he denied it saying, I neither know nor understand what you are talking about. And he went out onto the porch and the rooster crowed. Guys, just a couple hours before, he said this, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they were all saying the same thing. Verse 68, he denied it. I neither know nor understand what you're talking about and went out onto the porch and the rooster crowed. The servant girl saw him and began once more, 69, to say to the bystander, this is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders were again saying to Peter, surely you were one of them for you are a Galilean too. But he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man you are talking about. There's Peter with his mouth cursing and swearing, saying, get away from me. Stop talking to me. I do not know what you are talking about. Immediately, a rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had made the remark to him before a rooster crows twice. You'll deny me three times. And what did he do? 72. He began to weep. I have a heart for those of you today and that have hurt someone, and you know it. Instantly, you know it. Peter, you know, he's a lot of things, but um, he's very, he's very sort of in tune with his emotions. I mean, he's a little, he lacks self-control for sure, but he, he is definitely a, a feeler here. And he immediately begins to weep. He knows instantly, hours before what he promised Jesus and hours later, what he backed out on. That person today that's, that's listening you identify with Peter. I identify with Peter at times, have identified with Peter actually lots of times. And you're, you're right there. You're thinking to yourself, man, I heard them. I feel it. The beautiful thing about this story is that Peter wasn't going to stay broken like this. I often wonder about Peter and, you know, it's kind of crazy. He was like the most messed up disciple, you know, that we could tell. Well, obviously he wasn't, Judas was, but um, one of the things that he was, was very repentant, very quick. And I just wonder how many of us are carrying something like this in our lives and we have stopped at and he began to weep. There's been no other action taken. There's been no other conversations that have been had. You know that you've done something, but you'd rather sit in guilt than sit in freedom. This is what moved me. 
Some of you guys, I, I was having a conversation this morning. Some of you, you know, maybe you've betrayed someone, but some of you have stepped away from God. Maybe you have done exactly what Peter's done. There was a point in your life where you said, I would never leave. I'm going to stick. I'm going to stay. I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to whatever. And then circumstances happened and it you have just completely pulled away. And I'm not even talking about church, guys. I mean, I love church. I got to be there. I'm not even talking about church. I'm talking about God. You can look back and you can remember, wow, there was a time when I was the one doing the prophesying, just like Peter, I was the one doing the heal. I was the one that was speaking into other people's lives. I was the one that was doing that. And then something happened. There was a scenario, a situation, just like Peter went through where he wasn't prepared for it. It knocked him completely on his hiney. And all of a sudden he's doing things that just hours before he said, I would never, ever do. Some of us may not have a betrayal that's lingering, but maybe... Maybe you know that you're literally a Peter because you've stepped back away from the Lord and began to deny his power in your own life. I love that Peter began to weep. I love that that verse is in the Bible. I think it gives us such a beautiful <laughs> picture of what happened. It's not, it's not just, and he remembered, period, and he began to weep. That's a beautiful example of what was happening to him on the inside because of this one reason. He then watches. Peter knows what he's done. He knows what he said. All the disciples have left him. Judas has just traded him for 30 pieces of silver because that money was more important to him than, you know, actually sticking with uh, Jesus himself. So, so Jesus is alone. He's completely and totally alone. Peter, the one that was the most loyal, or so we thought, is standing and he starts to watch what transpires in the next couple of days. He no longer has a front row seat to speak into Jesus's life. He no longer gets to say, I'm here, you know, uh, forgive me for what I just said. He doesn't get to do any of that because immediately he is taken before Pilate. Then he's mocked. Then he's taken, you know, he goes back and forth, Herod, Pilate, Sanhedrin, all of these people that, that Jesus is going in front of. And Peter is watching him bounce back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And all he knows, and I'm sure all that he is thinking is, I cannot believe I did not stand by my Savior's side. What Peter used to have a front row seat to do, all of a sudden, he's a bystander. And this is what he watches, and I want to read this to you. He watches Isaiah 53 right before his eyes. Isaiah 53, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? All of this chapter is about Jesus. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. He had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, no appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men. That verse is literally talking about all the 12, every single one of them saying, peace out, this is too much, gotta go, bye-bye. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief and like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not deceive. 
esteem him. Verse four, surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Verse five, and this is what Peter's watching. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him. All of God's wrath, all of God's, um, the need for sin to be satisfied, the payment for sin to be satisfied, all fell on Jesus Christ. Verse six, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has called the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Now, I think it's interesting that this verse says, each of us has turned to his own way. What did what happened to all those 12 disciples? They all left. Each of us has turned to his own way. All we like sheep have gone astray. Of course, all the 12 disciples left because all of us have left at some point. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us have stood in Peter's place. Every one of us have have had things in our past or maybe even in our present and even in our future that we don't even know that we're going to do or betray or whatever that the Lord had, uh, Jesus Christ had to pay for on the cross. But verse six says, the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is silent before its shears. He did not open his mouth. I want to read verse 10, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. He would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand as a result of the anguish of his son. Now this chapter goes on, but I'm going to stop it right there because Peter watched all of this happen. He would betrayed, everybody had left, and then he's no longer next to the Lord He's at a distance. He's watching Jesus bear his griefs. He's watching him be pierced through for his transgression. The Bible says uh, it pleased the Lord to crush Jesus. And that's a verse that I'll make you think for a really, really long time. It pleased the Lord to crush him. That's what the Bible says. What Peter was watching Jesus pay for was what he had just done. Can you even imagine? Peter watched Jesus pay for his betrayal. Not only that, Peter watched Jesus pay for Judas's betrayal. Peter watched Jesus pay for the Sanhedrin, Pilate, Herod, the chief priest, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. Peter watched Jesus pay for his betrayal. I want to move to a beautiful scene that happens after the resurrection. We know that 
pre-crucifixion, a lot of stupid decisions were made by the disciples. But last week I said, Jesus chose Judas. And I'm just like, why in the world would Jesus chose Judas? But you know what? He chose all the 12, knowing all the 12 would leave him. He chose all the 12, knowing that they were imperfect. He chose all the 12, knowing that when they got squeezed, when something happened, they would turn and make decisions that would affect him. And yet he wanted to love them any way. He knew they would hurt him and he chose them anyway, because his love was greater than what pain that they were going to cause him. He gets up on the cross and pays as Peter watches. Peter can't say a word, or he doesn't say a word. It doesn't say that he says a word. They put Jesus, who had just paid for every single thing that had just happened to them, and you, everything that you've done, and everything that I have done, and everything that will ever be done, they put him in this tomb. Three days later, he rises again. Peter can say nothing. Can you imagine the tension in Peter? I liken it a lot to maybe the tension that's in you. He can't say nothing. He has no ability to have a conversation with Jesus. Jesus is MIA. He is dead. He, he cannot talk to him. He can't say, I am so sorry for betraying you. I am so sorry for going against you. I cannot say it enough. I am so sorry for doing this to you. And there is a tension in Peter and you know it's in Peter because of what I'm about to read you, okay? It is no doubt swelling up the regret, the shame. Why would I do that to my Lord? This is the guy where where I uh, uh, he allowed me to get out the boat and walk on water. He's the one that called me from being a fisherman and said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. This is the guy where I, I was able to heal people. I was able to see demons cast out of Jesus saved Peter's mother-in-law's life from a fever. I mean, this guy was in deep with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is taken. He's watching him die for the very betrayal that Peter just caused. And Peter cannot make restitution with Jesus at all. Why? Because he's dead. There's a massive tension going on in this inside of him. And I feel today, as I have prayed through my boy, Peter, that he's not the only one that is housing this tension. I feel in my gut, in my spirit, that some of you are also housing a tension of, I regret that I did that, but I don't know how to move forward because they have passed on, or maybe they have um, cut me out of their lives, or I can't, I can't talk to them, or, or maybe... I am Peter and I have turned myself on the Lord and there's a tension inside of me. I know what I need to do, but I just don't know how to get there. What Peter watched was not just Jesus being pierced through for his transgressions. He watched Jesus be pierced through for yours. Jesus shows up after um, the resurrection and he greets everybody. And I, I'm going to skip ahead because I really want to get to this uh, one passage of scripture. He greets everybody and he's like, hello, I am Jesus. Right after he meets with the men on the road to Emmaus, he shows up to the disciples. And then eight days later, he shows up again because Thomas is like, I don't believe you. I don't know. You know, there's always a Thomas. I don't believe that this is happening. Well, you know, it is. And Jesus said, you know, come, Thomas, put your hands on my side because I'm going to prove to you that I did, in fact, resurrect from the dead. 
And those are amazing. And I've, I've preached through them over the years, but this is what act, like broke me. John 21 says this, after these things, Jesus, after these things, like a lot of things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter, verse 2, John 21, verse 2, and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going to go fishing. I'm going fishing. Sounds like my son. <laughs> I'm going to go fishing. They said to him, we'll come with you also. They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, you don't have any fish, do you? And they answered him, nope, we don't got nothing. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find a catch. So they cast and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Verse seven, therefore the disciples who, whom Jesus loved, which I think it's so hilarious, he's talking about John and John wrote this book, said to Peter, it's the Lord. That's Jesus. This is what Peter did. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on, not this is hilarious, he put his outer garment on for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. Who gets dressed to go swimming? I don't understand who does this. Maybe it's because he knew it was Jesus and he wanted to see him really, really, and he wanted to look presentable even though he was gonna be completely wet. I don't know who does this, but clearly he did do this. He puts his clothes on, he threw himself into the sea, but the other disciples came in the little boat for they weren't far from land, but about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of them. When they got out on the land, they saw, a charcoal fire ready laid already laid and fish placed on it and bread and jesus said to them bring some of the fish which you have now caught simon peter went up drew the net to land full of large fish 153 and although there were so many the net was not torn and jesus said to them come have breakfast. Notice Jesus didn't say, well, you guys all left me. He didn't look at Peter and he didn't say, you swore, you swore to me. You would die with me. That's what you swore. He didn't look at Peter and say, do you remember me telling you when the rooster crowed you were going to deny me? I told you so. I told you you were going to do that. He didn't look at them and with disdain, with disgust, with frustration. He said, come, have breakfast. I provided the fish. I provided the bread. I provided the fire. Come, have breakfast. He doesn't even mention it. I remember years ago, um, my husband and I did a... Uh, big favor for someone, a huge favor. And the favor <laughs> turned into somewhat of a betrayal on our part. 
And I remember my husband coming in uh, one day and he just, he kind of told me that, you know, this person who we had done a huge favor for turned their back on their word and they had betrayed us. And he looked at me and he said, but I don't even care. I love them. I don't even care. We didn't hear from this particular person for years. And I do mean years. I mean, it was maybe five years, something like that. I forgot. I completely forgot that this even happened. <laughs> and this person reached out to my husband. And I mean, it was hurtful. It was something that was hurtful. Definitely hurtful. Like, like it was a betrayal. But this specific person reached out to my husband and um, I, I don't know if he called him or texted him. I don't really know. You know, if you're over the age of like 40, we don't like texting. We like to call. We like to talk to you on the phone. I, I mean, I like to text, but ugh, I'd rather just hear from you on the phone. I think he probably called him and um, yeah, he did because this person that had betrayed us started in and tried to apologize multiple times to my husband. I'm so sorry. I was so, so, so sorry. And you know what my husband said? I don't even care. I love you more than that. I remember several years ago, I had a, a situation where someone that I love dearly, different, different, but there was a betrayal involved. And I remember this specific person texting me, um, you know, multiple texts, multiple beautiful texts. And it's so crazy because I picked up the phone and I called her and I said, why are you texting me all of this stuff about you apologizing for whatever? I don't care. I forgave you years ago. I don't even care. I love you more than that hurt. Did you ever have a situation where you walk up to someone where you know that you've hurt them and the first thing you want is to relieve all the tension in you. You want to kind of spew it out like, I am so sorry for blah, 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 blah. And they look at you and they say, you want to have breakfast? The tension, guys, was not in Jesus because he had just paid for the betrayal, the tension, when Peter put on his cloak, jumped out of the boat, swam to Jesus, the tension was in Peter. I want to make this point because I think that those of you that have carried around betrayals or hurts or, um, you know, you've stepped back from church, not even from church. I want to leave church out of this. You've stepped back from God and you know it. You might be in church every single week, but you've stepped back from God. That's who I'm talking to. And you don't know how to push forward. You don't know what to do. And I want to show you from Jesus's example, exactly a healing response that he had toward Peter and what he did to Peter and the rest of the disciples who turned their back on him is the exact same thing that he does for you. Why was there no tension in Jesus? Because the debt of that betrayal had been satisfied with his payment on the cross. 
you might have tension. But Jesus is saying, I just wish that they would receive this free gift of grace. I just wish that there's no tension here. I love them. I love them. I already knew that they were going to betray. I already knew that they were going to do that to that person. I already knew that they were going to make that mistake. I already knew that they were going to choose something other than what I had for them. I already knew that they were going to do that. The tension was not in Jesus. He was cooking uh, breakfast. The tension was in Peter. Peter had to get to him. He had to go to him. He had to see him. He had to talk to him. And then they have a conversation. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him. Who are you? Knowing it was the Lord. They already knew. They knew. They weren't, they weren't stupid anymore. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This is the third time that Jesus was manifested to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now, this is a private, the first, I'm about to read you, the first private conversation that Peter has with Jesus after he told him he would not betray him and he would do whatever it took just to stay by his side. This is the first private conversation that Peter had with him. And this is what Jesus says. He didn't rebuke. He didn't scream at him. He didn't say any of those things to him. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Peter, let's do this. We're going to go on a walk. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, shepherd my sheep. He didn't say you're disqualified. He didn't say, you know, you really turned your back on me. So how am I going to trust you shepherding my, he didn't say any of those things. He said, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me more than these? Could it not be possible that in that moment, he was wondering when the shoe was going to drop with Jesus and Jesus was going to say, I got to ask you multiple times because you betrayed me three times. Could it not be possible that Peter was saying, man, I'm feeling a little insecure about my relationship with Jesus because I betrayed him and he hasn't brought it up yet. Could it not be possible that he's wondering why all the questioning from Jesus? You know what? I believe that when Peter betrayed Jesus, turned his back on him, denied Jesus at that little fire. I believe after he did that, he truly realized how much he did love Jesus and how much he did believe he was the son of God. Perhaps that denial was the best thing that ever happened to Peter because confidently he could answer in this moment, you know, I do. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to the Lord, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And he goes on a little bit further and then he talks about John, but that's where I want to stop that. Because there's another guy who betrayed Jesus that did the opposite. Judas, right after he realized what he had done, he went and he, the Bible says he hanged himself. 
Peter when he realized what he had done pushed into grace while Judas pushed into guilt. What if Judas would have waited one more day? I can't get this out of my head. What if he would have waited one more day? A lot of times when we betray the Lord or when we betray and we know there's sin in our life or something like that, we will pull away from God, just like Judas did. But God doesn't want us to pull away. He wants us to push in to the grace that he paid to give us. Do you see the parallel between the two? Are you pulling away and saying this guilt is too strong and it's too much? Or are you Peter who you put your cloak on, jump in the river, jump in the, the sea and swim toward Jesus because you just wanted to get him, get to him faster than everybody else in the boat? Which one are you? Because the outcomes may be different, but mentally you could be pulling away like Judas did. And God is saying, come, have breakfast with me. I paid for what you did. I paid for that betrayal. I paid for you pulling away. I paid for it. I still have a plan for your life. That denial didn't stop Peter. I actually think it helped Peter. I've got a plan for you. I know you've pulled away. I felt it. I've seen it. I've watched you do it, but I'm sitting here with fish and bread. I got a fire ready. Let's have a conversation because I paid for it. I want you guys to know something. There is no reason to pull away. Now, I understand the human side, the human standpoint that we, we kind of feel like, oh, man, he must be mad at us. He must be whatever. If God was going to be, if Jesus was going to be mad at anybody, it would be Peter and the 12 disciples. But the tension wasn't in Jesus because he had just paid for it. The tension was in Peter. I think sometimes we um, transfer the tension that we have in ourselves thinking that Jesus thinks the same way about us, and he just doesn't. And it shows it right here in this passage. If there is ever a week to move forward free from sin, from betrayal, from complacency, it's this week. If you don't know this Jesus, I'm going to pray for you in just a second, because this Jesus desperately wants a relationship with you. He desperately does. Desperately. And what he did in Isaiah 53, what we see, and what he did, uh, which is what he did on the cross, he did for you. Nothing you have ever done intimidates him. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to repent and turn from that, from sin. Because when you do, he is faithful and just to forgive every single and then there's those of you that are thinking, I'm tired of carrying this guilt. I'm a believer. I'm tired of carrying it. I want a fresh start. And Jesus is just cooking up some fish, saying, when are they going to come and eat with me? I just want to pray over both of you right now. Release it. It's time. For those of you that don't know the Lord, just pray right after me, Lord Jesus. I know that I've done wrong. I know that I've sinned. But I believe, maybe for the first time in my life, that you 
paid the penalty for my sin on that cross. Forgive me. Take me to heaven when I die. I invite you in to a fresh new relationship with me to walk with me for the rest of my life in Jesus name for those of you that know that you're far from God for those of you that know that you're struggling for those of you that know that you just need to start fresh just pray with me oh why don't you just open your hands in your car or wherever you are just put your hand up open like you're ready to receive Lord forgive me I've walked away restore to me the joy of my salvation I need you back in my life forgive me for betraying you or forgive me Lord for betraying that person and hurting them Lord forgive me your blood is still for me today restore me Lord I'm ready to start fresh this Easter week again in Jesus name amen we want to hear from you if that was you if you gave your life to Christ if you just sort of started fresh with Christ we want to hear from you walk in the truth that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Walk in the truth that he desperately wants to hang out with you. He desperately wants to lead you, to guide you in all grace, in all truth. He desperately wants his Holy Spirit to help you in your life. And he is faithful to do that. What if you're Judas? What if you're Peter? Spoiler alert, we're all Judas. We're all Peter. We all need his blood. Hope that helped. Happy Easter. I love you guys. I wish that there was like a worship. Like in times like this, I wish there was like a worship music. I was singing this song. I'm not a good singer, guys. I was singing that song this morning as I was just praying through my week and my day. And that song, I Surrender All. And, you know, I sing it outside. And so there's like joggers that walk by my house. Won't you just turn that? I'm not, I don't want to sing it for you, but there, Carrie Underwood does a really good version of that song. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I surrender all. I can't sing. I surrender all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. He'll take it. He's that good. Okay, we're going to take a break. After the break, I'm going to come back with a story and a question from one of you. I love you guys. I hope you know how much I love you. I'll see you in a sec. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Are you new to this whole Jesus thing and don't know where to start? 
Or maybe you've been following him for a while and you want to dig deeper into the Word of God. Then you've come to the right place. Each month, Autumn hosts an online, in-depth Bible study through Facebook Live called The Jesus Initiative. The Jesus Initiative is a monthly spiritual challenge to anyone willing to join and grow deeper in their faith. She covers topics such as how to wait when waiting is hard, moving forward in faith even when you're terrified, and how to combat the spiritual warfare in your mind. Autumn's desire is to help break down complex topics in a way that's easy for everyone to understand and implement into their everyday lives. The goal of the Jesus Initiative is to tackle real-life topics in a real-life way, grounded in the Word of God. Understanding the things of God doesn't have to be hard. If you're a believer who wants to grow in your faith and strengthen your relationship with God, these Bible studies will challenge you in all the right ways. Simply search Autumn Miles on Facebook or follow her on Instagram at at Autumn Miles and click the follow button so you can stay in the loop for when the next Bible study starts. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, we're back. That was such a sweet time. I'm so sorry I sung in your ear, but maybe I'll do that more. I don't know. It was a little bit freeing for me. <laughs> you guys know I want to be in a gospel choir someday. I don't think that's going to happen, but, you know, um, I love that song. It just, it takes me back to my childhood when we sang it every day after church, every Sunday after church, and people would come to the altar. Oh, it's so beautiful. And surrender. Um, I have a testimony from one of you guys today. Now, I am going to sum up this testimony. It's really, really precious. But this is one of our our listeners. And I just, I feel like it's too personal to read out to thousands of people. But this person, their family was completely estranged. Okay. And some of you guys understand what that's like. You don't talk to your brothers or your siblings or whatever. You understand the pain of that. Okay. Or maybe your kids, you know, you've got kids that are, you know, estranged. They don't talk to you for one reason or another. And she was praying since Christmas is what this says. She was praying since Christmas, just hardcore for her family to be put back together. And just very recently, I don't think she tells us when, but very recently, that process began to happen. It's a long testimony, but I just want to praise God for that because having a strange family is so incredibly difficult. And some of you guys know exactly what that's like. And I want you to be encouraged by this woman who said, you know what? God can do anything. If God can do anything, he can put my family back together. And lo and behold, that is exactly what he did. So we praise God for families in our community that are coming back together, that are talking, that are having conversations that need to be had. Maybe there's some, that that goes really good into what I just said. <laughs> Maybe there's some betrayal that's happened. Maybe there's some, you know, shady stuff that's happened. You know what? It is time to put all that down and um, to accept the forgive, ask for and accept accept the forgiveness from the Lord and then repair, ask for forgiveness, um, these relationships. So I absolutely love, love, love that. We also have a question from one of you guys today. And this is the question, how do I come back? I was previously in church and I stopped believing in God. 
How do I come back guilt-free? I want to tell that person today that is asking that question, and, and maybe you're new to the podcast and you're like, boo, who is this woman? What is she saying? Um, and you maybe have that question. Maybe you are coming back. How do I come back guilt-free? I want you to remember that picture of Jesus sitting by the seashore. I want you to envision that in your mind. We've all been, a lot of us have been to the sea. A lot of us have been to the ocean. Imagine Jesus sitting there and he has prepared a breakfast for you. No one else. It's reserved for you and for him. He's there and he's waiting. That is the picture I want you to get in your head because it is never too late to come back. It is never too late to jump in. It is never too late to have a conversation with Jesus where you process through your unbelief. You know, what does that guy say in, in the scripture? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Tell the Lord, it's hard for me to believe. Help me, help me believe. It's hard for me to do that. And he's so faithful. And know that just like Peter, the tension is not with God. The tension is with you. Bring it to him and he'll take care of it. I love that. I love today. I love Easter. Happy, 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 happy Easter. Listen, share this episode with someone that needs a restart, needs a refresh. This is the week to do it. Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen. And we need to celebrate that this week. We have hope. You are not too far gone. You have hope. God bless you. If you knew how much I loved you guys, I don't think you could be able to handle it. You think I was a weirdo. I absolutely adore each and every one of you. And our whole team does this for you because we feel called to minister to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love you. I'll see you next week. Have an awesome, awesome, awesome week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available, from her books and past episodes to her video series. We've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.